0: The title of today's message, it's, it's a concept that many of us probably don't deal with, so I figured I'd preach on it, and it's called rest. It's called relaxation. It's called stress. It's called being overworked. Very few of those things any of us experience, so those of you who don't experience that, feel free to go ahead and make your way out the door and have a good day, but for the rest of us, I really believe this is something that's going to help us get centered. I, I feel like a lot of times we may feel like self-help is what we need, but this is the thing. Jesus isn't self-help. Jesus is the help. You know, I think a lot of times we say, well, if we do these things... Things will change. It's not the way that it works. You can't do anything to make yourself change. You can position yourself for God to change you, but only He can do the real work that's needed. And so, uh, I'm believing today's be one of those messages. And it's the title of today's message is "Filled to Empty." And so, as much as we fill ourselves up, we're wondering why we're still at the bottom of the barrel uh, and why we're still empty. And uh, I believe to th- that you're going to leave here with some practical things. That you can do to position yourself, but knowing that it's not your responsibility to fill yourself up just to position yourself to have that. So I'm excited. Excited about Mark chapter one. So let's read this together. We just come out of a a part of Mark where Jesus was, he's in Capernaum. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. She got up and then it says all the town came to Jesus and he began to heal all of them and the demons were coming out. And so the people leave and Jesus is here. And so now he gets up and he is Uh, more than famous, and people want to know where he's at and what he's doing. And so the Bible tells us that he got up very early. And this is what it says in verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. Now that disqualifies many of us very early in the morning. And it says, and he prayed, and Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, well, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That's why I have come. He says, so he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, I I just thank you for this opportunity. But I pray that right now. Some of us are going to plant seeds. Some of us are going to harvest them. Some of us are going to grow in different ways. I just pray that we can lock in for these moments. God, help all the distractions to be gone. Help us to continue to, to, to just hone in on what you're trying to speak to us. We need you. We know this word is something that's going to bear fruit for generations to come. We know that everything that comes out of your word has that potential if we allow it. Help our effort to be maximized. Help us to give you the, all of us so that you can give us all of you. We love you, and we thank you, and everybody said. Amen. Now, the beginning of this—this this, uh, a lot of you may be disqualified immediately when I started reading this because what it said was very early in the morning. Where are all my morning people at? Are my morning people, okay? I've suspected this service would not have many of you. Where are my not morning people at, right? You see what's funny about morning people is morning people are, yeah, man, we're morning people. We're up. We're singing songs. We're drinking milkshakes, throwing back coffee, a couple monsters, Red Bulls. Like, we're hemmed up. We're ready to go by the time 9 o'clock hits. By the time 7 o'clock hits. By the time 5.30 hits, morning people are up. They're sprinting, right? And the people who aren't morning people, they're just angry people, right? So they're like, morning people... (laughs) It's like, you, you, you know, they don't even want to associate with you. It's like, are you a morning person? Oh, that's cool. Hey, man, I'll talk to you later. You know, they don't, <laughs> I'm not really interested if you're a morning person. <laughs> My wife, I love her. She's beautiful. And she's as beautiful when she wakes up as she goes to bed. But she hates mornings. And I can tell you this. There are times when I don't even wave to her in the morning or say hi. Because I, if her eyes are open, I can't tell if she's possessed or if she's actually. I'm just kidding. But I, 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 don't, even, I don't even wave. Because if I wave in the slight bit of air were to be, uh, you know, moved and it hits her in the face to wake her up, then it's going to be a long morning for me. Like, I don't mess with her. I know this. You know, almost 16 years with this woman, it's going to be a short time. We're 20. I know some things about her. Number one thing is you don't mess with her until she messes with you, all right? You don't say anything to her until so she says something to you. Why? She don't like mornings, and she don't like anybody in the mornings, and so you just let her go. The presence of God surrounds her, but it's not yet in her in the mornings. So um, She's not a morning person. She's been like that our whole ever since I've met her. She just doesn't like getting up. She doesn't sleep in late. She just doesn't want you to mess with her when she gets up. And so i like, I feel you. Meanwhile, I don't know what I am. I'm kind of like, I get up, I'm the same person that I get up as I am when I go to bed. I don't really know which one I prefer. I think I just go unconscious in the evenings. My body literally just runs out of energy. I fall away, wake up in the morning, and I'm good to go again. So there's not really an ebb and flow. I just kind of stay, I'm kind of like this uh, throughout my day. But the interesting thing about this verse is when you read it, he got up early in the morning and when it was dark. Now, how many of you know that when you get up early in the morning and it's summertime and it's bright out, it's a good feeling, right? If it's summertime and it's bright out and it's already warm, getting up... It might stink for those of you that aren't morning people, but you could say if you're not a morning person, would you agree that if it's bright when you wake up, even if it's early and it's already warm out, that it's a little bit of a motivator to be able to get up early and go do something, right? Now, if it's the winter time and it's dark and it's cold, morning people are still happy, but those who aren't morning people are now even more aggressive, right? You don't, and now that it's dark and cold, you get them out of that bed and convince them that it's okay to go outside, that it's safe. It's a whole other level of aggression that takes place. And so if you think about Jesus getting up in the morning when it was dark, we don't know the exact temperature, but I would say maybe it wasn't, maybe, maybe it was mediocre. We don't, we don't know. We'll give it a nice, a nice morning. But we'll say he was dark and he went to a solitary place. You know, what's interesting about this scripture is that when it talks about the solitary places, there's a couple of things uh, that, that I think of. One, when I think of a solitary place, and actually what the word in, it means in English is it's desolate. Lonely, probably can't find it easily. Barren, doesn't bear fruit, doesn't have plants, things you can eat. It's a solitary place, which means there's nothing you can find there. In this term, it means nothing you can find there except for God. No human likes solitary places. Nobody in this room, even if you're like, there's a lot of people in this room that are introverts. A lot that are extroverts, and there's some that are like me, you're an introverted extrovert. But then sometimes I'm an extroverted introvert. It just depends. So I'm, a, I'm an introvert when I wanna refresh sometimes, where I just rather do something by myself without anybody around. There are moments I just wanna be alone. Uh, and I, even whether, no matter what I'm doing, sometimes I just wanna golf alone. And it sounds very lonely, but it, honestly, I refresh like that. And then there's other times I just wanna be around people to refresh. Anybody ever have those times you just wanna be around people? Is there, any, is there anybody in here who can't refresh by yourself? You need people around. Okay, okay. So, But is there anybody in here who you would say, I, or even online, throw some hands up. Give me a, throw a camel in there. I don't know if we got a camel, but I know there's gotta be a camel emoji somewhere. If you're the type of person you say, I refresh when I'm by, I like people, but I refresh alone. Give me, give me some camels, and in the room, give me some hands up, all right? So a lot of us, there's a term, it's called introverted extrovert, where you actually love being around people, but you refresh alone. That's me. Um, I love being around people. I love throwing down with my crew. But if I don't have time to just be alone, I don't mind just walking a course for hours by myself and playing. Because for me, that's one of the ways that I can just be alone. And, and you know, what I find is, as much, as much as that's not a lonely place, a lot of times it is kind of a desolate place for me. There's nobody around. Uh, there's nobody I can get to. It's quiet. I, I'm an active person. And honestly, I've tried the, the thing where I get down on my knees and I pray to God and I'm reaching and I'm oh, like, speak to me. God doesn't speak to me like that. Uh, when, I, when I hear God the most is when I'm active, and that's just my personal way, whether I'm walking a course for three or four hours by myself, or if I'm doing something alone, uh, sometimes I'll be in my prayer time, and i go for walks. Like, if I'm active, I feel like I download a lot from God. I hear him, and I think it's because I'm listening, because something's taking my mind off of my mind, right? It's a discipline. Some say, like, well, you just need to sit there. and No, I think it's personality, and I think some of you can do that. Some of you can sit there and just, mm, and I'll be sitting there sometimes doing something and the Lord speaks to me and I just can't stop writing. It's, 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 but I know that what the Bible says is pray continually. So I have this connection, but there's a necessary place in your life. You've got to get away the lonely places. And so what Jesus does is he's at the high of his fame. There all these accolades. All these things are happening with Jesus and he's famous and all these people are coming to his door. His social media is on blast. He's got hundreds of millions of followers and he can't get enough. People can't get enough of him. And he says, I got to get up early and I got to get away. The, the, the thing about this that gets even more interesting is once Jesus gets away, everybody comes to him, right? His disciples come to him. Do you remember what he said to him? Everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? Your PR is going crazy over here. Your, 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 your relations guy is losing his mind because the news won't stop asking him questions. We got merchandise sales that are happening. We got to go pick that up. You got an ABC interview at four. You got an NBC interview at 4.15. You got Fox at 4.30. You got CNN at 4.45. Jesus Come on. That's the intensity of the moment. Everyone's looking for you. Do you remember last night? It was amazing. I mean, do you see the demon's gone? Dude could not walk. Did you see him walk in today? Dude was skipping. Come on. We got more work to do. But Jesus gives them vision. He gives them vision. Do you know what he says to them? In his own way, he says, no. What he says to them is let us go somewhere else. Hold up. Did you hear what I just said? People are losing their minds. We did it. The kingdom is here, baby. We're about ready to hit it big. We're getting the new, you get a, you get a Lambo, you get a Lambo, you get a Lambo. I mean, the disciples are all about this, is, this, this thing's coming to this earth. And Jesus, is, he's gone away. And there's these people clamoring for his attention. There's miracles happening. There's demons coming out. But early in the morning, Jesus got up while it was dark to go to a solitary place to pray. And the disciples, hey, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus says, y'all, listen, we have to go somewhere else. We have to keep moving. How could could Jesus say that to a group of people whenever Jesus was at the the height of his movement? How could he say, hey, we're going to have to go somewhere else? Because he went to the solitary place and he heard from God. See, Jesus knew what his mission was when he came to this earth. And people were always trying to push his mission back to being famous. They were always trying to push his mission back to being an influencer. They were always trying to push his mission back to what everybody else wanted him to be. And that's the deception. A lot of us think that we're what God wants us to be, and we've just become what people wanted us to be. And we don't realize that we're stuck in Capernaum, and he had two, just in Galilee alone, there was more than 250 towns. And Jesus is saying, no, I've spent time with my father this morning in a solitary place when y'all were still asleep, and it was dark out, and I'm here here to tell you we have to go somewhere else. Why? Because that's the vision. The vision God gave me is still fresh because I know what it's like to get up first thing in the morning and to go. Now listen, you're not more spiritual if you get up early in the morning and pray. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I'm telling you to do is you have to find a desolate, solitary, barren place in your life continually so that you can fulfill what God's got for you or just connect with him. We make Christianity so much about doing what God has for us. What is that? That's an inward thinking. Christianity is not about what God has for us. Christianity about, is about us serving him. When you have a Christianity that's always about what God's doing in my life and the calling he has on my life and the things he's going to use me for, it's not about God. It's about us. I can't tell you the amount of people that tell me it's about happiness or about people coming to them for things. If people are coming to you for things, and you're not pushing them to the center and the heart of God, it's not about them. It's about you, and what you're giving them is going to fail them. And Jesus is saying, listen, we have to go. And they're thinking, have you lost your mind? We have to go somewhere else. And then he goes on to tell them, that's why I've come. So he says, this is the vision, and let me help you understand the calling." And in your life, everyone's always going to be looking for you. You're going to have kids looking for you. You're going to have teachers looking for you. You're going to have sports coaches looking for you. You're going to have spouses looking for you. You're going to have businesses looking for you. You're going to have people that you work for, that work for you, looking for you. You're going to always have people looking for you. And unless you have a desolate place where you can go that seems barren and lonely, but you know God is there, unless you have that place, then I promise you you're not going to have the courage to stand up and say, we have to keep moving because that's not why I'm here. Jesus understood the purity of his calling because God told him, not because he was Jesus. He understood because he understood God's heart. God inhabits the lonely places. Those places that none of us want to go, that's where he inhabits. And the reason he inhabits them is because the places that aren't lonely, we don't know how to connect Like I said, I get downloads from God as much sitting in my office a lot of times as I do in the lonely places. The difference is that the lonely places prepare me to hear it in my office. The lonely places, and a lot of times we think, well, the lonely places are good to visit once every couple of months. No, the lonely places are places that have to be consistent, and it sounds sad. It sounds really sad to go to the lonely places, but the reality is it's because you don't understand the the lonely place. You don't understand the desert place, the barren place. Do you remember what happened at the beginning of Mark when Jesus got baptized in water and he came out and God said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And then he went into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. He went to the wilderness for 40 days. He went to the wilderness. He went to the lonely place. Same exact word, same exact place. Jesus went to the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. And when everything started getting hyped up, He went back to the wilderness because he had to connect with God in a way that nobody else could understand. God inhabits these lonely places in our life. And we run from the lonely places because a lot of times we don't want to hear what God has. Do you know why? Because it's scary to not be in control. I can't tell you the amount of times I hear people talking about things and they're saying it's God doing it. And I can listen to their story and say, he's not doing that. Everything looks like God, but the deception is that it looks like God. God. But there's no evidence of the power of God. They haven't been to the lonely place. You tell me God's going to do it. I, You Have you been to the lonely place? Have you, ha, do you know what that looks like as a couple? Are you in the lonely place together? You see, that a lot of times as a couple, if we're insecure in our own relationship, we'll say, we'll do this together. And God is saying, no, no, no. I need each of you to do this apart so that you can do it together. Don't go to the lonely place with your spouse. Go there individually so that you can lead them there together in the lonely place. Go there as individuals. Now, it's not wrong for one or the other to have to kind of help one along. What the Bible is telling us is God doesn't, you're not going to go to God together. You're going to go to him as one individually. Then you're going to go as one together. He's saying, listen, I I know you. You've been here. The lonely place is in a, it could be a closet in your house. It could be a golf course. It could be anything, but it's a place where you know that when you go, it's just you and God and it's a place that's a discipline for you to go to. It's a place that you know when you go, it doesn't always feel like something you want to do because it's dark and it's early, but you know it's a thing that God has for you. Everyone will always be looking. If you struggle with the lonely place, if you struggle with rest in your life, it's because you struggle with value. It's because if you don't feel like you're if you're not working, then you don't feel like God is working. It couldn't be further from the truth. God doesn't need more time. He just needs your time. He just needs what you have. And he'll do with the rest what you can't. He promises to do that. He promises to take the things you can't do and make it into things you could never do. That's the beauty of the lonely places. And Jesus understood that. That's why whenever all the fans were around him, and they were fans because they didn't stick around. You see that a lot in a church. People become fans of God and then things don't go their way and they don't stick around. I can't tell you the thing that's broken my heart the most. There's two things. I've been the most encouraged and the most discouraged is that there is people that you really thought had a, a depth that they knew God, and you just see them slowly drift. Some people, they used to, they, they used to be a huge part of the local church, and now they say, well, we're going to watch online, and you know that they're only doing that every couple of weeks, and it, you just see them drift, then there's people online that have been watching for a year year and a half and they've their whole family has been transformed and they're locked in and they're doing things and my point is you don't have to be in a room for the holy spirit to rearrange everything in your life but you have to be committed for the holy spirit to rearrange everything in your life you have to know what the lonely places are it's not about we always say as a church it's not about the building but as soon as covid hit it was about the building right? Well, it's not about the building. Well, now it's about the building. Like you're sending mixed messages here. Let me help you understand. The Holy Spirit doesn't need brick and mortar to do what he needs to do. Meeting together of the saints has nothing to do with physical touch. Has everything to do with spiritual connection. All right? So when you have people that are radically transformed online, but yet there's people in a room who haven't moved, there has to be a difference here. You feel me? My point is this. The Holy Spirit needs people who are submitted, who are humble and are willing to say, "I'm going to make my best effort and I'm going to connect with the King of all kings." The community is the church? We are the church. It's pertinent that you're tied into the local church. It's pertinent that you're tied into community. This is God's gift to us to keep us. In fact, you can't be a Christian without the local church. That statement right there will get a ton of red marks on the internet. I'm telling you, it, it, let's post it and repost it. If you, this is, this is the reason I know that you're going to tell me Jesus would offer the bride of Christ, and you don't need it. Jesus died so that the church could be what it is but you're such a good christian you don't need the church the way that it is it doesn't work like that there is nobody that is strong and powerful and effective that doesn't have the covering of a local church it doesn't exist because that's not the way god set it up god set it up so that you'd have an authority and that you would have a place where you could be the body and if you don't have a place where you could be the body your power doesn't exist you can't walk in the goodness of god and watching people deteriorate, and it's easy for me to see they don't have the lonely places. I absolutely stand by that. That's a biblical concept. You can't follow God without the bride of Christ. How hard is it for those of us that are in the church all the time to keep our faith and to stay connected to the things of God? How much harder do you think it is when you're not? Well, it doesn't exist. You can say you're something, but for your life to prove it is not going to happen. And what Jesus is trying to say is that I had to be connected to God. Why would you not have to be? He is the church. Jesus was the thing that died so that this could all happen. And if he needed that solitary place, then what does people who have a local church think we don't need that for? What, what, what is the purpose? And in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, Jesus says, hey, we're not going to stay here in Galilee and just do this. We actually need to go. We actually need, there's more than 250 towns just in Galilee. We've got to go and preach the gospel. And as soon as he says that in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, it says, a man with leprosy came to him. And it says, and it begged him on his knees, if you're willing, can you please make me clean. Now you're talking about a group of people that people would push outside the city, they would throw rocks at, keep, stay away from me because their bodies were rotting off. And if they were to touch you, you would get that same disease. They'd be treated a lot like they'd be treated today. Probably even worse today now that we have vehicles and we have uh, big time weapons. I mean, it would be a, a, a very, very ugly thing. And it says Jesus was indignant or compassionate. He reached out his hand, he touched the man and he said, I am willing be clean, and immediately the leper, the leper the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Something you need to realize in your life when you're praying for miracles, and you're praying for God to do it, and you're frustrated, and you're overwhelmed, and you're believing God for something that you don't know He's ever going to do, and you're not sure where everything fits. You need to realize that Jesus is willing. And when the man came to him on his knees and he begged him, he says, "I just, I, 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 can you heal me?" And Jesus was compassionate, indignant. He said, "Yes, I'm willing." Why? Because the man knew what it was. He, did, he might not have ever even, he was obviously, maybe this is his first time he's ever in the presence of Jesus. But he got on his knees. He took a physical position to show a spiritual stance to say, God, I, I surrender to you. I know you can do this. Are you willing? And Jesus, he asked the right question. He didn't say, heal me right now because you don't know what people have put me through. You don't know how I've been stoned and how people have laughed at me and how my entire life I've been an outcast. You don't realize the people I thought were my friends were just making fun. The family that I thought was gonna be there forever hasn't talked to me in years. I'm sick and tired of eating scraps from the sewer. I'm sick of starving. I'm sick of the cold nights and the wet afternoons and the hot days. You owe this to me. But he went to Jesus on his knees and said, if you're willing, I know you don't have to, but if you're willing, would you heal me? Said, "You better believe I'm willing. You get it." He said, "I'll make you clean." In verse forty-three, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning: "See that you don't tell this to anyone." How many of y'all think a leper that's no longer has leprosy is not going to be noticed by everyone? Don't tell anybody. Jesus knew, but Jesus was willing to put his privacy aside for the miracle that this man wanted. Because he knew that this man was in a place where he could receive it. And he said, show, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. So the man said, are you willing? He said, I'm willing. He said, don't tell anybody. He told everybody. And then Jesus couldn't go anywhere. And he said, so Jesus instead went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news and as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, this is the part that I need you to see. We think because we work overtime, because we're out here grinding and building and growing, because we're making the money, because we're, we're building things, because we're moving into homes and we're buying cars and we're, our kids are in sports, we think that our efforts are gonna produce something that the world's gonna know about. We're reading a story right now that Jesus did a miracle for one person. And yet it forced Jesus back to the lonely place, the place that many of us don't want to start at. Is that fair to say? Many of us don't want to start at the lonely place. It forced Jesus back to the lonely place. And when he got back to the lonely place, it said, yet the people still came to him. So now, before in the lonely place, Jesus was out there and the disciples came to him and said, hey, we got to go. Things are rolling. We've got interviews. The PR is happening. Now we have a place at the end of the story where Jesus, he has to go to the lonely place, but now all the people are coming to find him. And this is a picture of what happens when you understand the lonely place. You're working with 100% of your effort, and you're going to get 5% of what you could have. When you work with God's effort, you're not going to be able to contain what he wants to do. And the people are going to come to you. Because I love how it says, yet the people still came to him. And it was tons of people. Why? Because you don't have enough time to fulfill what God has for your life. You don't have enough goodness to fulfill it. But God will do it through you when you say, God, I'm going to leave my hands off of it and I'm going to go to the lonely places and the desolate places. I'm going to stop trying to figure this all out and I'm going to surrender to you. When you do that, everything changes. And you might say, well, what's the how? What's the how do I do this? Well, I think the answer is what Jesus did. Because see, what Jesus needed to prepare for his ministry was the same thing that he needed to sustain his ministry. At the very beginning, when Jesus got baptized, he went out into the wilderness and he had to fast and he was being tempted. He was in a lonely place with God. He learned what it was like to have a rhythm. He learned what it was like to hear from God. He learned what it was like to be walking with his father and to be in step with the things that he was doing. And then what happened in his ministry when all the people came to him and said, you're famous, you're great, you're all over everything, you're amazing. Instead of listening to the hype, he went back to his dad and he said, father, I surrender to you. I am the servant. You are the master. Show me what you have for my life. And then, and, then, and then instead of listening to what people did and pigeonhole him into a corner, this is what Satan will do. You see success, and if you don't have the depth of your father, you'll stay in the corner of success your whole life. But if you have success and you hear the word from your God, you will be opened up to things you never thought you could have. Why? Because to him who has given much will be required So you're saying, well, I thought it would be more. Well, he can't give it to you because you don't have the DNA to hold on to what he's got. And so then Jesus comes back, and he says, I'm going to the lonely place. And then he says, I'm going to go preach the gospel because that's what God's asked me to do. People are being healed, and he goes, back to the lonely place so he, still, he keeps going back to the very place he started. For some of you, there's a youth camp experience that you think about in your life. There's a moment you had with God when you found salvation. There's a moment you had with God when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a moment you've had with God, or maybe many moments. And my question to you is, when's the last time you had one of those? Those are lonely place experiences that should happen all the time. Why? Because God wants to connect with us like that all the time. The lonely places create a brokenness that God can fill with his love. I don't want to live my life out of memory. I want to live it out of miracles. And God said, listen, Jesus, keep coming back. If Jesus needed the lonely places, then what would make us any different? I mean, how much do we stress out and we worry about our marriages? You worry about your spouse or you worry about the, the pace of life. And you spend more time worrying about it than spending time in your lonely place with God. I know it's not very attractive to say lonely place and expect you to wanna be there, but lonely is in desolate, and that makes me happy because that means there's nothing else that can get in. The great thing about barren means nothing can live there. Nothing can grow there. I don't have plants to maintain. I don't have animals to feed. I don't have a distraction that's going to keep me from connecting with God. That's what a lonely place is. So find that place where you're not being distracted. If there's a time you have every week that you use for you time, use it for your lonely time. A place that you're not going to be distracted by everything around you. It's not that it's required for your faith, it's that your faith will never grow without it. It's hard to watch people drift. It's the hardest thing I do. Hands down especially people that just can't see the reality. It's hard to watch them drift. And it's happening quite a bit. But let me flip the script. There's a lot of people drifting that I can tell you I really thought they would have more, but I know in the last year, their lonely place has gotten distorted. Let me flip that. There's a lot of people that I had never saw coming. Not because I judged, but they've stepped in and found their lonely place. And I have been absolutely dumbfounded at the movement in their life. Not because I'm more spiritual, but because they have just done things in the quiet when people weren't watching and they didn't care about the crowds. They just wanted their king. And it's been amazing and such a blessing to me to watch people stories about people online that are using fireplaces as altars. People that are talking about the carpets in their house worn down from where they worship. They're creating altars all throughout their homes. And we're creating altars right here in these rooms, watching you chase the things of God. Some of you on a Wednesday night when the room was full, you went to a lonely place. The room was full and you were in a lonely place with God, a deserted place, a place where you knew you were safe. And it was incredible to watch and it was incredible to be a part of. But those moments aren't sacred for church moments. They're not sacred for moments where we're on the screen. Those moments are meant to be moments that we experience with God all the time. I had moments like that all the time in my life. And what I'm realizing now is that those moments weren't just for me. Last night, we had a conversation with our boys at dinner. And i was telling about a time that Casey and I had no money. It was a long period of time. And somebody gave us tickets at the time to Washington football. And we had these tickets in a parking pass. And we went to the game, and we had a great time. But it was an afternoon game, and we didn't have any money, so we weren't going to pay for food. And we were we living about an hour, 15, hour and a half from the stadium. But we knew that we didn't have any money for it, so we were just going to go home. And we didn't realize there was two hours, two and a half hours worth of traffic outside the stadium that night. That was all right. We'll eat at midnight. We didn't think nothing of it. And this lady walks up to us. in the stadium, as we were walking out, and she says, hey, have, do you guys want something to eat? I'm thinking, Sure. And she says, well, I have a bunch of food. And she hands us this big old, somebody that works for the stadium, this this huge thing of food. And I turned back and she was gone. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. (laughs) But she said, you want all this food? I said, sure. And we took it and we were throwing down. And we sat in the car for two and a half hours waiting to get out of that parking lot. And we get home. We look at each other and... I told my boys this story and Caden says, wait, so you didn't have money for the tickets or you bought the tickets but didn't have money for food? I said, dude, somebody gave us the tickets, somebody gave us the parking pass and somebody gave us dinner while we were there. I said, we had nothing. And I was a young evangelist trying to figure it out. And we were I was on the road. I wasn't making hardly any money. And we were just starting our ministry together. And God was saying, hey, I know the things that you delight in. And I delight in you. So I'm going to give you some stuff. I'm going to let you enjoy life a little bit. We told him a story about a bag of quarters that we got when we were married. And many of you have heard this story. This, quarter, this bag of quarters. Remember the state quarters everybody was collecting? Well, this lady in our church had collected all of them. And she gave them to us. And we had this giant bag of quarters. And I thought, what am I going to do with a giant bag of quarters? And I put it in our closet when we got to Missouri. And we were RDs, the resident directors at a university. And we had no money. And so every weekend we ate gourmet hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. Gourmet is in your chef right here. was creating a little chef creation. For four years, I would dig my hand in that bag every weekend. And I would take the quarters across the street to the local price cutter and buy our mac and cheese and our hot dogs. And for four years, we never ran out of quarters. And I looked in that bag the day that we moved, and there was a little roll of quarters and I knew God was faithful, just like he multiplied the oil for the widow. He was multiplying quarters so that we could survive for four years. I was traveling. I was on the road. There wasn't this great thing. And now I look at when I go to a Washington football game, I have a card. And this card has money on it. And I swipe it. And that's just as much of a miracle as when somebody hands me food. Why? Because God's provided it. I can pay for my food now. I can pay for my tickets now. But when I swipe that card, it's his. It was his money. It's his thing. He's let me stewarded it. And he's given me the opportunity, but that's still a miracle every time I swipe. Why is it a miracle? Because I lived for seven years where we couldn't swipe a card. And so when I swipe a card, there's never a time I take that for granted, having money in my bank account. Because I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to believe for God for everything we had with food and with our kids and not be able to make payments. I know what it was like to trust in God and watch miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, after miracle in our life. And what I realized is that those stories just weren't for us. They're for our kids. Our kids, even Asher, our four-year-old, with his mouth open, hitting his chest and chili falling out, just staring at us. Amazed at what God has done in our life. Why? Because when we were at Evangel for four years, I had a desolate place in the back of that apartment that I went to every day and I wept and I cried and I connected with God because when I wasn't on the road I had nothing else to do and now I can tell you it created the foundation for everything that God wants to do I don't hold Palms Church tightly in my hand I don't hold my home or what we own tightly in my hand tomorrow if God stirred my heart I would leave all of it I'm not leaving any of it but the reason is because you're not mine what we own isn't ours. We're entrusted. And the minute people start to take ownership is the first sign that they don't understand the solitary places. You've fallen away from your quiet place. It's not ours. You can walk into our house and say, man, it's beautiful. say, so yeah, God's a good builder. We didn't do this. Let me tell you about the story. We had nothing to eat but some Quarters. Let me, let me tell you the story. We went to the, the game. In that season of our life, we had games to, we had tickets to Nationals. We had tickets to Washington. In fact, I had one game where I had more than two people give me tickets. Now, not, I know we're not any good, but that's not the point. I've watched God over and over do miracles in my life. And I know it's kisses from a dad who says, just stay in the desolate places because that's where I'm at. I'm inhabiting those quiet places that don't make any sense. People look at my life and they think, man, this dude's crazy. He's all unleashed and he's just. You don't understand. My life was created in the darkness. And in the mornings, I like the darkness. You know why? Because when the workouts are over, you go outside and you can lift your hands and say, God, the sun's not up yet. And I just want to let you know I'm the servant my master today I give this to you I remind myself every day, I told you that last week and I'm telling you again this week, when you get out in the dark before your day has started and you confess what he is you understand the desolate places, the dark places I'll tell you why a lot of us stay away from the dark places because there's dark things in you, you're not really ready to go through There's dark things you're really not ready to process through. There's pain that you're not really ready to walk through. There's disappointments in your life you really can't talk about. You say, Well, I can talk about them. Can you talk about them to the people that were involved with them? Can you talk about that pain to the people that actually were a part of it or the people that are currently a part of it? You see what I'm saying? When you get to the desolate places, you're not scared of the painful places. And some of you need to get back to that place where you once had that experience with God, but you're living off of a memory now. It's no longer a miracle because it's not current. It was a miracle, but now it's a memory. I don't ever want to live out of memory. And so I'm asking you, will you be willing to, to let God have that? For some of you, it's going to mean, you know what? I don't have time on my day, so I'll add it at the beginning. And I'm going to get up before the sun rises and I'm going to pray. And I'm gonna to listen to what God has for me. For some of you, it's saying, I'm just gonna take a walk every day and I'm gonna to listen to God. I'm gonna to commit to this. You're the remnant. God's doing something at Palms Church that the world will know and he's gonna do it through you. He's gonna do it through all the people that are here during the first service and all those watching online and all those that were here Wednesday night. This is the remnant that God wants to build here at Palms. He's gonna do something. He's doing it. He's gonna use you and your kids are gonna experience the very things that we've dreamt about. He's doing it, and we're gonna be able to sit back on our porch drinking our sweet tea and look at our kids. You know why that's not true? Because every one of us are gonna be on fire till the day it goes down. I plan on preaching till I'm gone. And I will. You wanna know why? Because my solitary, desolate place is never gonna fade away. And as long as that fire burns in me, then I'm gonna to continue to let it burn. I'm gonna to continue to preach the gospel, and I hope you want that for your life. Will you commit... To the solitary places in your life. If Jesus needed it whenever things were all hype, what is he asking you to do right now? What is he? Jesus said, Listen, man, I'm I'm famous. I gotta get out of here because I gotta connect with my king. Because the temptation, he's a man, the temptation to always be the king, he was human. But he said, no, I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. And when we get that and you go away and then everybody comes back, you said, all right, everything is set up. You're saying, that's not the plan. That was never my plan. God actually didn't ask that of me. That wasn't the plan. This isn't what we're doing. So what do you mean it's not what we're doing? Come on, pack up. We're going. And then he's healing lepers. And then he gets so famous. They could have never done that if they had stayed in Capernaum. But then he gets so famous, and now that he can't even get away. And people are now finding him in the lonely places. It just increased what God was doing. Our job is to be faithful so that God can reach as many people before it's too late. God's going to use us. Will you all stand with me this morning? I just want to encourage your heart today. Because you have what it takes. Get to the desolate places. Get to the solitary. If you don't feel like you have that rev in your spirit, you kind of feel that mundane, that lull. Listen, I can tell you this, Casey and I, we love where we live, we love what we drive, we love our kids, I love to be able to go to the store and buy something, that means nothing to us. And I'll tell you why, because whenever you rely on things, it doesn't matter, you you run out of things to do, whenever you rely on finances, you find yourself in lulls once you have everything you thought you'd want, and you're like, what's wrong with me? And the only reason you're asking that question is because you had perceived, if I get these things, then I'll feel this way, but when you realize they're not connected, then you're like, what's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. Get to the desolate place. Nothing's wrong with you. Get to the solitary place. Get to the place that isn't comfortable. Get to the place that doesn't make sense. Get to the quiet place that only you and God can be. If you got to walk, walk. If you want to sit down, sit down. If you want to listen to worship and lift your hands in the dark, then lift your hands in the dark with worship. But get to the desolate place. Give God the opportunity to be God. Give Him the opportunity to show you what only He can show you and to do what only He can do. I promise you it's going to change everything. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come up. We're going to pray in a minute, but before we do that, I want you, if you would, just close your eyes. Take a minute. And I want you to ask God right now, Lord, show me, show me the desolate place. Maybe he's been trying to get your attention for a while. Maybe it's something you already know. I'm saying, show me the desolate place. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to say a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, come into my life. I believe you are the Son of God, and today I surrender. Whether you say that in the room or online, I want you to let us know via the chat. If you're in the room, let us know. We want to connect with you. We want to get to know you a bit. We want to give you a free gift. We want to kind of introduce what this even means. But for everybody in this room right now, I'm asking you, if you've come up the last couple of weeks and gotten prayer, that's faith. But I'm asking you, if your prayer hasn't been answered, come back again. We're gonna pray with you. Maybe for some of you it's something different. We wanna pray, we want to anoint you with oil and pray and believe for the supernatural in your life. But as your eyes are closed, I want you to, if you would, would you lift your hands right now? Lord, I pray right now over each and every person in this room. I pray that they would see that they are valuable. That God, you want them in those desolate places, in the solitary places. You want to spend time with your kid. God, you want to do in them what only you can. You want to speak to them when only you can speak. You want them to you want to, to help them see what only you can help them see. God, I pray that they would know that today things have been moved in their life. Legacy has been created. Movement is happening. And God, you're doing what only you can. Father, I thank you for the authority that you've given the local church. I thank you that Jesus died for it and died for us. But God, I pray that today you would help us not to settle outside of community. But God, help us to live in those desolate places with so many, in those solitary places that are quiet, that we can grow in our faith. But Lord, today, I pray for each and every person, whether that's Bible time in the morning or prayer, or God, maybe it's adding to their day, that they would give you a desolate place in their life to know that you have so much. But God, it's when we're not focused on our calling, but on our creator is when those things happen. God, that you want to use our life. You want to heal wounds, fix the brokenness, We surrender to you, and we thank you. We recognize right now that you are everything and more than you promised to be. And we give you all that we have. We know that Jesus started in those desolate places. And those places are what sustained him throughout his ministry. Help us to never get away from the miracles. Help us to never get away from those places in our life. Thank you for the remnant. Thank you for the group that says we will stand and fight for the next generation. We will fight and we will make markers in our life of miracles. We will make altars in our life where our kids will know that God moved right here. And we thank you. We praise you. Come on. Let's sing this. And if you would, come on. Let us pray for you